Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to NVC, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I am your host, Casey DeFridis, and today I am joined by Joshua Yell. Hello. He's our new Pokemon friend. Hi. Well, he's not new, but he's new to you guys. <laughs> what are you doing at SF? I'm here to help cover the Star Wars Force Friday event where they show all the new Star Wars toys before the... Yeah, this guy's pumped. I, I okay, Star Wars. so you guys are both pumped. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> these guys being Brian Altano. Hi, nice to meet you. And Tom Marks. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. And today we're going to talk about the Goose Game, 
Goose. Finally out. Untitled Goose Game is finally out. We're also going to talk about the Switch Lite a little bit more because Tom is finally giving it a score. I have. So well, let's final score we'll talk here. about that and some some sales numbers and a whole bunch of other stuff like Mario Kart Tour, which I'm not sure how I feel about that, and a bunch of Pokemon because we've got Joshua on. Yay. So let's start out with first something that I didn't mention. If you're watching the video version, Brian brought a really cool oh, yeah. thing. So I just want to give a quick thank you to a friend of the show, Miss Gondacris, uh, who does a lot of stuff officially for Nintendo, but also just tons of cool crafty stuff on her own. She's an amazing artist and sculptor that has been doing custom Amiibo for uh, like friends of ours and influencers and like just cool people all over the place. Uh, and she just sent me a custom Link's Awakening mountain, the mountain with the egg on it. It's got... Uh, it, plugs in and lights up. So I now have a small replica Link's Awakening Mountain with a egg on top. And there's also some gifts for the rest of you. Oh, she what? sent over a bunch of smash invitational <gasps> envelopes. Um, oh, so these you're are all so invited cute. to go fight Donkey Kong and Bowser. Oh, you don't my want gosh. me in that game. That's true. You'd be okay. You'd yeah. really be uh, And so she, for these, she made little envelopes, and she actually made the actual wax print with the Smash logo on them. Um, so you're all invited to Smash Brothers. Have it's fun. It's really good. Um, this so, is literally incredible. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so hold on to that. You can put money in it or weed or whatever you got to do. Um, <laughs> or just use it to fight people. Um, so I just want to say thank you to Miss Gonda Chris. Go follow her on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, she does tons of tons of cool work. Uh, chances are if you follow Nintendo's official feeds, you've probably seen seen some of her craftiness. She also threw in some other stuff like some cool Yoshi straws and this bullet build that she made out of a paper towel roll. So anything is possible if you're creative and skilled and you dream it and you know your Nintendo stuff. So and thank you. Your mountain has different colors. Yeah, it lights up different colors. Uh, it's got a little egg on it. I'm going to pose my like amiibo in front of it. It's this is the coolest thing. I'm super happy. <laughs> we can take new screenshots for blog roll images. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Do you guys need more Link's Awakening screenshots? Because I took about 900 while oh, I was playing that game. I know. Thank you. I appreciate like, it. Please stop sending me those. No, points. it's good. I'm still missing a few, actually. So we'll talk about this after the show. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the Switch Lite review that Tom finished. Yeah. Tom. It's done. What does the Switch Lite get? Uh, I actually bumped up the score. My temp score was an 8.0, and I landed on 8.3. Okay. Which anybody who read my... Uh, our updated review of the Switch last year is the same score as that. Um, so yeah, I, I ended up liking it pretty much just as much as I like my base Switch, just for different reasons. I think it does some things a lot better, and I think it does some things, obviously, like playing co-op games or on the TV a lot worse or not at all. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, that stuff sort of just balanced out in my mind. I will say, if you're listening to this, when it goes live on Thursday, the video might not be quite up yet. We've updated all the text, so if you go find our Switch Lite review, the text will be all swanky, and then after probably Thursday evening, we'll have a, a fancy video review in there too. Yep. Very cool. So I've also heard, please please correct me, I've heard some rumors that the Switch Lite is having some Joy-Con drift issues. Supposedly, reportedly, yeah. But Allegedly, all those words. Yeah, all, all of those words, but... I've also heard that they took it apart. Somewhat, mm -hmm. they someone took it apart and found that the same parts were used, mm -hmm. but other people have said that's not true. Basically, it's a bunch of nebulous rumors at this point. Yeah, I don't want to downplay it, but I do want to. I 
right now it feels a little anecdotal and it feels like the mm -hmm. kind of stuff that you see surrounding almost every product launch, you know, dead pixels and like some finicky button issues and stuff here and there. Yeah. Some, some, some screens have like dimness issues right now. It doesn't seem nearly as widespread as if you remember when the switch launched and we were all like, do you have the drift? Do you have the drift? Is your, is your stick drifting? It was like a big thing. Um, I hope that's not an issue that plagues the system because I really love mine and also uh, it's not as simple as just breaking off the Joy-Cons and mailing them to Nintendo and hoping for the best. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll, we will obviously, you know, keep keep covering this story as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there's not much to cover and you can just go get one of these things with good faith and enjoy it like but, I have. But I don't think you can expect us to completely dissect a Nintendo Switch Lite because we like our systems too much here. Yeah, I really <laughs> do. Yeah, it's, it's a weird... It's one of those things that feels like it should have been a thing that was fixed for this version of this system. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, like Brian said, some people posted like there was a video online of somebody who reportedly had drift, but who knows if that's the same drift, if that was a manufacturer defect, something else. We don't know. It's still early days in that regard, but... Um, I really hope that they did something to actually fix that, and I yeah. hope that... We like ha we end up getting a definitive definitive answer because otherwise the answer is either going to be no one has the issue and it all goes away or six months down the line we have a slew of Reddit posts of people being like I had to mail my entire switch and then the uh, save data was wiped has well, happened to you Brian it's to me it, it will be like wiped that. I, that I think that's a, a comp all companies wipe the systems when they get it back. Mm -hmm. It's just what I they mean, do. There, there are definitely people who've gotten their switches back. I, I actually read stories from people who sent their switches in for repair and then got that dreaded email that was like, sorry, all the save data is gone. And then they get their switch back and it's still there. Oh. So play Weird. the lottery because you're lucky. <laughs> um, to piggyback on what Tom was saying earlier in terms of the review, I've been using my Switch Lite pretty much exclusively for almost a week now and I adore that thing. Yeah. I love that system so much. I would say, honestly, like weirdly my biggest complaint with it is that when I'm done playing it, I don't have just a place to put it. <laughs> like it's sort of like how your phone might not necessarily have a home but maybe like a cord hanging out of yeah. a socket somewhere that you plug it in regularly. Like I wish there was a dock for this thing not to connect to the TV but just to sort of just like drop it in when I'm done and be like, it's going to charge. I'm going to sleep now. And when I wake up, it's going to be at 100%. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the conclusions I came from, and I'm really glad that we did a review in progress and, and instead of a final review at, right out the gate, because one of the conclusions I came from over the last week is that if I'm playing in handheld mode, I'd rather be doing it on a light. Same. And I was thought that it might be like, oh, this is just a different version that's smaller, but really I think the light is just a better constructed device. I think it feels better. I think the buttons are better. I think the size is not distractingly smaller, mm -hmm. um, and it is just a better thing. It's just to get that and to get the $100 less price that comes with it, you are sacrificing the flexibility of... You know, being able to play local co-op games, being able to plug it into a TV, being able to have motion controls that actually function in a useful way, like playing like the motion control dungeons. And mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this last week, the shrines in Zelda Breath of the Wild that are like the hammer that you have to swing. Yep. Like mm -hmm. that's just so inconvenient on a light and there's nothing that you can do about that. And that just sort of is like lame. But the benefits that have come elsewhere sort of balance it out. Yeah. It really does feel very light like mm -hmm. it's it wonderful. kind of it was kind of incredulous when i picked it up i was this is actually a huge noticeable difference yeah. compared yeah. to my regular switch i don't think i'll ever play i don't i don't know if i'll play my regular switch in handheld mode anymore honestly it, mm -hmm. it the switch light makes the 
the Switch feel like the way the DS Lite made the, the launch version of the DS feel. Yeah. It was like this yes. big clunky layer cake. Pretty I much. mean, when you pick up the regular Switch, it's definitely noticeably big, bigger, but it's also just kind of creaky and the Joy-Cons are a little wiggly and there's yeah. that kickstand on the back and this just feels like the form factor on this thing is just so nice. It's got me replaying a whole bunch of games. I'm really digging the D-pad. Um, yeah, I really like this thing. Yeah, and we also um, got some early sales numbers from the Switch Lite so far. About 160,000 have sold in Japan, according to Bloomberg, which was below the forecasted 300,000 units. But it's I feel like a lot of people are going to pick this up for Pokemon, and Pokemon's not out yet. Yeah. So maybe that's affecting it. I don't know. There's not much reason to get a Switch Lite right now, right? Yes. Like there's not There's not really a driving force to do it. Um, at unless this very, very moment. Unless you didn't already have a Switch and really want to play Link's Awakening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get, uh, yeah, there, yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest reason, right? And I agree. I think once we get closer to Pokemon, once we get closer to the holiday, that might pick up. But I'm not a sales guy. So I'm not either. But <laughs> another thing that um, was interesting is that when the Switch Lite launched, uh, more regular Switch units sold as well, which mm. was very surprising. <laughs> Were people trying to get, they're like, ooh, that one with the better battery? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe that yeah. was it. The rising tide raises all ships or whatever that saying is. I yeah. think it was, Did you learn is, that in Link's Awakening? Yeah. <laughs> or is that for Wind Waker? Uh, I mean, I think that both could apply. Um, I, th- I do think the power of Link's Awakening helped a lot here. I was reading that it's the fastest selling Switch exclusive of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. which is insane to me as somebody who's always loved that game. And it's just this like weird Game Boy game that they remade this year. And like to have this... Zeit, cultural zeitgeist moment where all these people in social media are talking about that game and playing that game and making fan art and covering music songs from it is just surreal to me. So I think a bunch of people maybe went out and bought a Switch and wanted the new Zelda game, and that's uh, awesome. And it's finally, it's the first, I guess not really, but it's the first game that has consistently stayed with more wiki traffic, like more than Breath of the Wild oh, for multiple wow. days in a row. That's mm. crazy. And that usually doesn't happen. Usually Breath of the Wild is number one and is only overtaken by like maybe GTA mm-hmm. and Red Dead once in a while. Casey did an awesome job with that walkthrough through because she wrote it in the in the voice of like the narrator <laughs> documenting Link's adventure. Which yeah, is, it's, it's so very cool. cute. Yeah. I'm really I'm really enjoying it. I'm still not done with it. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but I'm. it'll be done by the end of this week. So if you're listening to this on a Thursday or Friday, it should be almost done. Um, so... Also speaking about the Switch, I wanted to point out the Satisfy Grip because they came out with the um, the Satisfy, Satisfy Switch Grip Pro. Yeah, which is this, which is actually Tom's Switch uh, Switch Grip because my my fiance. That's Ooh, weird to say. Congrats. Congratulations! He uh, took mine off my Switch and used it and didn't put it back because we fight over it. But that's marriage. So though. this is Tom's. <laughs> 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 but um, this feels great. Yeah, and. And so Satisfy is a company that's been making peripherals for the Switch for a little while, specifically the Switch Grip Pro or the Switch Grip. And uh, the first version of this one was really awesome. It's basically a grip that slides over your system in handheld mode uh, and sort of accompanies the fact that the sticks are asymmetrical on Switch. And so you have these sort of big handles on each side. Uh, It's pretty lightweight. And uh, the one on the right's a little longer out to accompany the fact that it's, you know, a lower stick on the right side. And it makes it feel, I've said before, like it makes it feel sort of like a Xbox One controller or something like that. Uh, And people had some minor complaints about the first iteration of this thing. It uh, scuffed up the sides of the unit sometimes. It was kind of a tight fit. And so what they did this time was they actually made it so the... 
Here, let me pull it out real quick. Please. The switch itself doesn't actually touch the grip. It's got these little red bumpers on the inside that hold on to it, which actually also give it a little bit more breathing room on the back to, you know, get the vents a little more air out there. Not like that was an issue before, but it's cool to know that that's there. Uh, and they're also making one for the Switch Lite, which is available this week as well. And so I think they're both 26 bucks, and you can get the deluxe kit for 45 that comes with a case and some some button sticks and stuff like that. Yeah, hearing you guys talk about the light, I've yet to actually hold a light, oh, so I don't actually know. Sorry. Oh, he's got it. He's going to go get it. But uh, but the, the biggest complaint for me for the Switch was always that, yeah, it felt uh, like I was going to break it. Like, they just didn't feel like a sturdy, singular unit. But this makes it feel like an absolute unit. <laughs> absolute unit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's tiny. You're, you guys are getting my reaction. It's this a is, cutie, right? This is... The first time Joshua Yells held a Switch light. Wow. I was boring. I got the gray one. I had much deliberation about that. But ultimately, I decided to let the colors on screen do all the talking. Oh, wow. No, yeah, this is incredible. Um, I, I, suddenly... <laughs> I don't oh, buy that. Suddenly, everything you, you guys have no said... Idea. Yes, I did. Snapped <laughs> into reality. It makes sense now. No, but I don't, I couldn't see myself ever because I really enjoy playing, um, you know, on the TV, mm -hmm. and I could never see myself buying two just to have it on the go. Although it does make me want to buy one of these satisfied things. It, it is a frivolous luxury. I will say that <laughs> it is a stupid thing to do, but I did it. Um, the actual way that the switch and the switch light communicate has been fairly seamless for me in terms of like uploading cloud saves. Oh. I was playing like Link's Awakening on my TV and my base switch and then just like exited out It immediately cloud saved. And then I grabbed my switch light and just hit a button and downloaded it and got on the bus. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. We're yeah. living in the future. Yeah. Switch Switching between two different accounts is, or, or systems is much easier too than I mm -hmm. thought because you have to register one as your primary and whichever one's not has to basically be always online for any digital games. Uh, and I thought that was going to be a super big hassle, but it's actually pretty seamless and pretty quick yeah. to swap those. So if you're suddenly like, if your light is the one that can go offline and then you're like, oh, I really want to take my base switch on the bus today, you can, in a matter of a minute or two, just like swap which one is the primary and take mm -hmm. your other one out. And you, you that's pretty nice. You gave me a nice. tip on that too. When I was setting mine up, I went into my, my launch switch uh, and I deregistered it as the primary and then registered my Switch Lite as a primary. And now my other Switch just stays home. Yeah. And it's connected to my TV and it's basically a console. And <laughs> uh, now I have my Switch Lite, which is a portable, which doesn't have to do sort of the internet handshake to make sure I'm online mm -hmm. and a verified owner of the games I own. So. Yeah. You know, I just said that I was not going to buy a light, but after hearing <laughs> you guys talk about it, it just sounds so convenient. And I do have certain games that I only play. Like, I think of it as, like, an airplane game. Like, yeah. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is, like, my airplane game. When I came here, when I flew here to San Francisco, I was playing it. Uh, so it definitely makes me want to get it just for that. But that's the funny thing is, actually, I don't think I'm going to want to use my light on the airplane as much as my base switch because the I like putting it down on the tray table, mm -hmm. and it's... A, it doesn't have a kickstand for that. I'd have to use my Genki stand. And B, the smaller screen means it's farther away from my eyes. It's harder to see when it's like that. Right. So I think I'm actually, like, I, I agree there are games that I just want to play on the airplane. But I think just for airplanes, I'm going to want my older Switchback still. I guess for especially for really long flights, if you're going on, like, a nine-hour flight to... You want to hold it up yeah, the entire time? Yeah, no. Um, one of the things I did figure out too, thanks to some friends in the Nintendo Voice Chat Facebook group, uh, which you should join, is that um, you will actually be able to transfer games wirelessly system to system, which
which I knew about, but for some games that are like sort of intrinsically tethered to the system itself, stuff like Splatoon, Pokemon, Mario, uh, no, not Mario, Animal Crossing, I'm sorry, um, you'll actually be able to beam those from system to system. So I thought it would be like, that thing is, that save is locked to the system I it thought was that too. born on. Yeah, so you'll be able to send it from one to the other. It just deletes it from the other permanently. Mm-hmm. But you can probably theoretically just bounce it back and yeah. forth forever. Right. So that's an option. Which is totally fine. Yeah. And I'm really glad that that solution is out there because mm-hmm. it was something that I was worried about. But yeah. now we don't have to be. But you know what everyone does have to be worried about is uh, geese ruining their lives. <laughs> hey. Because Untitled Goose Game is out. Great transition. <laughs> Thanks. So this is something else that Tom also reviewed. It is. I've had a busy week. It sounds like as a deputy reviews editor, you do a lot of reviews. Occasionally. Who would have thought? I, I think I'm second only to Mitchell Saltzman in terms of people on staff who do game reviews, actually. Oh, wow. Because Dan keeps track. And Mitchell Mitchell is this the force of nature who, re, like, he reviewed three different games in three weeks once. Like, mm. he just goes. He's unstoppable. That just makes, really me wanna, that yes. makes me want to die just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the man. Uh, but yeah, I reviewed a titled Goose Game, and it's it's a very very fun time. Um, I I literally started playing right before we started the show. I just ran around and honked at things for two minutes, and I'm already in love. Mm-hmm. That's the game. <laughs> That's the appeal <laughs> of the game. I just want to honk at things. I'm like, hey, come open this gate, and I just yeah. honked a bunch, and then eventually came and opened the gate. It was wonderful. I but, really like this game. I mean, there, there there's the, it's silly, but that is so much the appeal of it is that just pointless pomp of being a goose and not not caring because like there's a button in the game that lets you spread your wings and if you're standing still you flap and it literally does nothing yeah Mm -hmm. that button flapping your wings except for one moment which i won't spoil in the game has absolutely no function whatsoever besides you just tripped a little boy into a puddle and you want to like front on him and be like what up like that's the whole reason that button's in the game is like you're just a jerk who is a goose and you just that's great flaunt it it's great yeah it's, it's very a, silly there are a lot of sort of chaotic murderous nuisance simulators out there and i feel like this is more of like a benign jovial nuisance simulator. <laughs> like you are an ornery annoying goose who bothers people all around town, but you don't kill them, you don't maim them, you don't hurt them. You just like you make take them their like, rake and throw it yeah, in a lake. You take <laughs> their rake, throw it in a lake. You make them spill their their coffee or whatever. Like it's like you're an ass, right? You're running around and you're just bothering people, but you're never you're you're never. It's almost always sort of harmless, and I I really love that. They're, they're, a lot of games don't really fall into that rubric. They're they're always like it's like a GTA where you're like you hit someone with a car and they die, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or like you shoot somebody and like they they also die or they don't die and they lay on the side of the road screaming. But this is basically just like you just kind of bother people and it's it's also very smart. There's a lot of great puzzles and a lot of great storytelling that happens within the small world. The um, dynamic music, the way the piano keys sort of trickle in and out depending on what you're doing or how intense moments are getting and then it kind of just goes away uh, are really, really special. I really dig this game. Yeah, the music definitely sets it apart a little bit mm-hmm. in a way I wasn't expecting. Uh, yeah, I give it an 8.0. You can Which check out great. my review. I think it's a great game. Um, I just wanted more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this funny thing. It's so hard to... We were, I was having this conversation, I think it was with Max earlier in the week or la- late last week about the length of games and like what is too short and trying not to devalue art and make it because games are hard to make and they've been working on this for a long time. So who are we to say that, you know, they're overcharging for it or whatever. And instead of being like, this is too much money 
the the way I look at it is I wanted more of this, right? Like I felt wanting at the end of it rather than I felt cheated, if that makes sense. Um, in, in, like the best comparison I have is Sinar Wild Hearts, which we talked about mm-hmm. on the show last week, is probably a similar length to Goose Game. I didn't think that that game was too short. It mm-hmm. felt like it, it, it left me full, right? And Goose Game... I just wanted more of it. And that's a that's a subtle difference, but it, it's I think an important one at the end of the day. That's kind of that's how I felt after playing um The World Next Door. I really mm-hmm. liked what I played and it got to the end and I was like, but there yeah. should be more of this. What right. happened? Right, I, right. I actually appreciate that take because it's um for transparency, the audience is constantly asking us to sort of bring in uh, value as part of the conversation and reviews. And value is a such a moving target for people personally, but B, the value of a game you know, goes all over the place in a game's lifespan. Like this game might be $5 in a Steam sale in mm-hmm. six months or a year or something like that, or it's going to be free on PlayStation Plus or something. And it's sort of like you can't really bring that into a conversation when it's such a moving target. Uh, but saying that you wanted more of it is, I think, like a better it, way to sort of like yeah. satiate that that conversation. And I'm, I mean, I've played full price $60 games that has – hundreds of hours of content and I absolutely did not enjoy playing it mm-hmm. at all or so I think I'd rather <laughs> spend the money on a, a few hours of a really good experience yep. than to pay money and it's like yeah there's hundreds of hours of content but is it good mm-hmm. I actually haven't gotten a chance to play it yet but it actually reminds me of Pokemon Go and I'm not just bringing up Pokemon <laughs> Pokemon that much but uh it, it was just just watching people uh react to the game on social media it feels like we're in this weird era or this real weird time where just everyone is all together enamored with the same kind of like adorable game mm-hmm. and that's just, just a really thing you don't get a lot these days of like a community enjoyment of something very innocent um and just and just fun and cute and people enjoying it for what it is and it's just like oh it's like a, a nice calming wave is washing over twitter it's what yep. we need in the world I know. <laughs> it's do. it's a concept that immediately clicks right you see it and you just get it and you love it right mm-hmm. it, it doesn't need a ton of explanation and i think i i agree i really liked seeing people make weird memes and make silly videos and go crazy in that that way um Max described it in a really way, a way I really liked too, where he said it was like a toy set, right? It's like playing with a little like action figure set where you just like have this figure and you have all these things you can interact with yep. and it's just like go go play around and have fun and explore. And it, uh, I think that's a really nice way of putting it, mm-hmm. except really mean. So there's one thing you pointed out, Tom. Uh, our, your Goose Game review got more views than your Monster Hunter World Iceborne review. Yeah, it did on YouTube. Why? Why? Yeah. Uh, well, so a couple people, A, I, I tweeted about this, uh, and that tweet blew up a little more than I was expecting. I, I want to say I'm not complaining about this, Oh, no, right? of course They not. both did well, and, and I love the work. That, it's just the- I, I love doing those things regardless of how many people kind of look at them as long as I'm happy with the work. Um, but it was funny because, yeah, I put over 100 hours into Monster Hunter World Iceborne. It took me two months, and then Goose Game, I, was, I beat it in an hour and a half on, like, a Friday afternoon, and I was like cool, write the review. And it was like a thousand words and it was very quick process. And yeah, more people were interested in it. Um, some people have pointed out in the comments already that like, you know, an expansion of a dense game like Monster Hunter is obviously going to have less appeal. Mm-hmm. The people who are into Monster Hunter are already, already into Monster it. Hunter. They're already probably 
on like sold on Iceborne, whereas Goose Game is this weird, wacky thing that, as Joshua said, just sort of people became enamored with and wanted to know about. And I think that's really funny and cute. It's just so, so wonderful to me when some weird game that doesn't even have a title comes out of nowhere. And this isn't throwing a shade at Monster Hunter, but when a weird game without a title just comes out of nowhere and is like, oh yeah, we're big now. Like, pay attention. It's just like, okay, great, cool. This is awesome. So Casey, do you take a personal affront that something like beats Monster (laughs) Hunter on the site? Like... On YouTube? Yes. No. <laughs> well, no are you going to go hunt down the goose? <laughs> the goose is the hunter. I will hunt that monster goose, and I will make a hat out of his feathers. Wow. <laughs> Have any of It'll you guys ever glorious. eaten goose? No. No. Really? I haven't. Well, I, mean, I assume it would taste good. very good. Yeah, it's good. I there's like just, duck. It's weird. Kind of like the game. It's like really good, but there's not a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> like you can, you can go like buy this like big cartoon bird and then like cook it for Christmas or whatever. Like it's the 1930s and uh, it's like good. It's just not, re- there's not a lot of meat. And a funny thing about um, Untitled Goose Game, it actually started as a Slack joke. What? Yeah. yeah so the developers in Slack, someone just posted we should make a game about this and it was just a picture of a goose and then they went back and forth about the pros and cons of geese and came up with almost no cons and then they made a game about geese for those who don't know slack is like a work chat client yeah Mm -hmm. so imagine aim but for work adults who are pretending to be adults or talking about geese yeah it's for geese (laughs) so that's all about um untitled goose game which got an 8.0 um we recommend it very much so very very much so so Mario Kart Tour is also now available for your mobiles, mobile yes. phones. What do you guys think about that? Brian's giving us a face. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we're going to start with this one. Um, it's a hard one, right? This is a tough one. So Mario Kart Tour is on iOS and Android now. It's free to play. Yes. Big quotes around that. I'm uh, very confused about that. Yeah. Please, and, please explain. And so to start, they say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I, I guess I'll give you guys a very quick brief history of Nintendo's mobile offerings. For Super Mario Run, it was uh, free to start, which gave you a few levels to play, and then $9.99 un- unlocked all of the content of the game. Everything there, all like a couple dozen levels. Uh, that kind of pissed off investors and it didn't really make them a ton of money as much as they were expecting for their flagship IP. And so they started experimenting with things like, you know, Fire Emblem and Dragalia and basically moved into a little bit more microtransactional gambler's luck uh, demographic. And, you know, they got into the, they got into the real like dirt and grime of the, the mobile universe out there. Like they, they got into the, the dirty money of mobile, um, which felt very un-Nintendo. And so when Mario Kart got announced, uh, I had obviously some concerns about how it controlled and, and you know, what, what the sort of like rollout would be for content. And the, the good news is, is like the controls are kind of tough, but you'll get used to them pretty quickly. I was playing on the sort of like the pro mode today and um, power sliding really well. The game's really pretty. The graphics are really clean. You play it all with one hand. Really high production value. Yeah. Everything just is sleek and looks great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, uh, I was like, well, everything looks good here. It had your typical sort of, like, daily login bonus stuff. And then you start digging into the currencies. And there's gold coins. 
that you can buy with rubies and then there's rubies that you can buy with money and all those things you can uh like the gold coins you can unlock through regular play picking them up throughout levels which is something you've been able to do since the super nintendo the rubies are a little bit more nefarious because those are the kind of things you'll have to like pay for individually now it's a dollar 99 for three of them uh so for six you'll have to spend four bucks and that allows you to launch the pipe once which is their slot machine which gives you an opportunity to unlock a cart uh a character or a hang glider um i think we need a wiki page for this yeah it's a lot <laughs> to unpack and so a way to circumvent that is to pay for the 4.99 a month gold subscription this is where things start getting weird because i'm not used to paying for a subscription for mario kart which is a game that you can buy feature complete for 60 bucks on switch and probably even cheaper on in a sale um the gold subscription allows you to access 200cc, the fastest mode in Mario Kart, something that is unlocked through regular play in literally other, every other Mario Kart, uh, and also gives you some like gold tier items like a, a shiny Mario and a special cart. So, like so it also gives you kind some, of battle, like battle pass style. It yeah. gives you more rewards as you kind of unlock rewards naturally uh it'll give you more of those and then it'll unlock unique challenges that give you these gold badges that are special yeah yeah and so i guess my biggest issue here is not that this is free not even that they have these sort of like greedy microtransaction subscription services which are a as expensive as apple arcade something that launched simultaneously this week with a full-fledged feature complete kart racer in sonic all-star racing uh or b uh, significantly more expensive than Nintendo Online, which gives you 20 Super Nintendo games and a bunch more NES games. But the fact that I don't have, as a consumer, the ability to just give them a bunch of money up front to circumvent all of this nonsense and just play Mario Kart on my phone without having to worry about all this. Like, if there was an option for me to throw them 20 30 40 50 and mm -hmm. just buy Mario Kart to have on my phone, great, and let me unlock stuff through normal play, Awesome. The fact that that's not there means that I'm going to give them zero dollars. And you can just play this game without spending money. Yes. And in terms of uh, other um, like mobile games that kind of try to get you to pay, this one's actually pretty okay. There's not like a gate that I've found where it'll be like you got to wait till you have energy left to do Toad this or tired, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's none of that that I can see yet. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, and you'll still be able to unlock cars. But and racers, it's just gonna be like hilariously slow. Yeah. It's gonna be like coins, you get maybe 10 to 20 at the most coins per race, and one racer in the daily section of the shop, which changes every day, and you can't just pick exactly what you want. Uh, it, I think Toad today was like 500 or 600 coins, right? right? Like it's, it's a lot. And, that's the part of this that really annoys me because especially like I enjoyed the game. Yeah. Like I too. think it's actually like a yeah. pretty decent translation of Mario Kart to a mobile one finger control. Like I think that is actually, it looks great. It sounds great. The tracks are cool. The controls are pretty well done. It's just so disappointing that there's all this other garbage dragging it down. And, mm -hmm. and especially in the light of Apple Arcade, it's like, man, $5 a month for just some, for f making the game feature complete is sort of weird and makes me go, eh, and that's, like, I don't know. Especially if, if you want to keep it on your phone, it's going to be $5 a month forever. Like, there's no cap. What is this? Yeah, right? I mean, it's not like they've announced 
a justification for holding on to this for years and years. I mean, this is $2 less than Disney Plus, which is going to have like literally every Marvel movie and Star Wars and every animated movie you grew up watching. I think the idea is partly that every two weeks, I think it is, they're changing out the cups that you do. They're doing mm-hmm. different tours. So right now it's the New York tour and there's all these cups that go with, with that. Um, and then two weeks from now, they're going to change it to whatever the next tour is. And so the subscription, I think, is partly just they feel like they're going to be updating this game frequently. And okay. if you want to get in on all of this content and all of these new rewards, you're going to need to keep paying this subscription fee. And again, you can just not pay the subscription fee and just play Mario Kart, mm-hmm. but you're going to be unlocking new characters extremely slowly. Mm-hmm. And the new characters actually can make a pretty and carts and everything can make a pretty big difference depending on what level you're on, which is how that whole system works. Like I was, you know, like I was saying, this is kind of my big issue with a lot of mobile offerings is that like, there's nothing between playing it for free and grinding forever and like throwing money at like gambling and subscriptions. Like there isn't just a like 25, $30, $40, $50 tier where I can just pay to just play the game, just have Mario Kart on my phone. The most the most basic way I can describe how disrespectful a system like this is to the people who play it, regardless of pay-to-win stuff, microtransaction stuff, whale stuff, completely separate from any of that. Ignore all of that. The, the basic way that it is just fundamentally disrespectful is the cheapest thing you can spend rubies on costs five rubies. That's to pull the pipe once and get one gotcha thing to yeah. get a chance at a new racer or a card or whatever. That's five rubies. In the store, like you said, you can only either buy three rubies or ten rubies. Yep. You cannot just spend money on five rubies. That is so, not an option. So four and that's just rude. You, like yeah. that's just mean to people. Yeah. Four dollars gets you six rubies, which is one flick of the slot machine, and then you have just an old ruby sitting there. And then yeah. you're like, Well, I guess I gotta get more rubies to build back up the five, and then you just keep paying them more and more money. It's just um, very odd. Like it just it feels gross. It yeah. just feels gross. No, I was just stuff. looking at the store. I was just kind of like, God, really, guys? Like, it was just one of those things where, it, like, I we did the um, we did the fast travel episode in Belgium, which like that's a country that banned loot boxes, and as of a week and a half ago, uh, Nintendo wasn't allowed to have basically loot box stuff in any of their mobile offerings, and so like you just straight up couldn't access those things, like the weird uh, fortune cookie stuff in Animal Crossing or whatever they do in Fire Emblem. It's, like, um, it's just your Run the mill. I don't know. I played Fire Emblem and Dragalia Lost, and the gotcha stuff isn't is also not necessary because you will unlock characters as you play. Mm-hmm. So they don't really like need to do it. It's just nice. But this seems the Mario Kart thing seems really weird. Yeah. So um, we're looking right now. Koopa costs eight hundred coins, and if you want to buy uh, rubies, your options are three for a dollar ninety nine, ten for five ninety nine, which is nine plus one bonus. Thanks, guys. Uh, Twelve ninety nine is twenty plus three, so twenty three total. Twenty six ninety nine gets forty eight, and the top tier is sixty nine ninety nine for one hundred and thirty five rubies. And those rubies don't guarantee you anything; they mm-hmm. just guarantee you more money to dump into a slot machine. Yep, that sucks. I've gone down that rabbit hole before, and yeah. it's not fun. No, it's that's but bad. If, if they offered me a sixty dollar, like, oh, you'll just get five free pulls a day or like two or whatever, they would have lost so much money on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is also like, this is one of their most popular franchises among children, specifically mm-hmm. children. Oh no. And so like, I mean, I would say that Fire Emblem skews a little bit older. Dr- yeah. Dragalia Lost probably did as well. Mario's pretty all ages, but it mm-hmm. has, obviously has a, a much more You're going to have young kids wanting to play it. Yeah. Um, Mario Kart is like, 
that's I mean, that's a game they shipped with like like the last Mario Kart game had quality of life stuff in it so that you couldn't fall off the track. Like they want children. They still kind of have that in, in the phone game. In the phone yeah, game they too, do. yeah. Yeah. There's bumpers. Which, yeah. Which is weird. I'm fine like with it. it. I didn't like the bumpers. Nah, I'm fine with it. It makes me it makes me not care about getting good. I'm okay with it once you <laughs> uh, until you realize that like they're there so kids don't fall off so they play longer and spend money. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's bad. So there's something else that kids don't have jobs. <laughs> there's something else that Tom told me about this. So everyone's first game pretty much got uh, the gold. We, we won first place in our first race, and I'm like, wow, I was really bad. How did I? How did this happen? And then Tom told me that they're all fake players. As far as uh, we can tell, no one you play against is is actually like it's all a bot. Yeah. Do you and guys know P- PUBG Mobile did this too? Yeah. They, they astroturf the the first few rounds of anybody who just downloaded the game, and you would get like a chicken dinner in your first or second game, and be like, "Oh get my god, I'm awesome at this game. I'm going to keep playing it." Oh no! Yeah. But as far as I can tell, this is not just a first game thing mm-hmm. because I'm like ten races in or whatever it is, and uh, you can test this for yourself. This is how I did it, and I, we don't know that we've reached out to Nintendo for comment on like the actual mechanics behind this but if you start a race it'll generate a bunch of player names and then once the race starts counting down if you just flip your phone into airplane mode you can just play the whole race and everyone's still racing and nothing disconnects and it's Mm -hmm. fine which means that clearly you have already downloaded whatever data those racers are using and they're no longer online which means you're just racing against either bots or ghosts or whatever the case may be we're not sure yet which is odd for a number of reasons one um i was playing on my commute this morning and it was choppy every now and then mm-hmm. and i was like well if you're if you've already like predetermined <laughs> my level then what what am i actually streaming and two it generates a bunch of names that totally leads to the illusion that you are playing online. I mean, they could be other player names. We don't know. And this is why we've reached out because this is still a lot of like... Mm-hmm. And and it, to be clear, a lot of... Like other racers have done this on mobile. It is not a thing that Nintendo has invented. Yeah. It's, it's a strategy to kind of get people feeling like they're playing against people without having to deal with data spikes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we just don't know what's going on in the background here. Multiplayer, there's a little menu icon in the menu that says multiplayer is inbound, so there is going to be some actual multiplayer in this at some point. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is right now is essentially just regular Mario Kart single player, which is against, I think, yeah. just against computers as far as I can tell. And look out for a clarification on that sometime soon. But yeah. let's move on to something positive. Joshua, you've been winning some Pokemon trading card game tournaments. Yay! Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, at first, I want to clarify that they're like small tournaments. That's still, I'm not like you're still winning, though. Thank you. That's you're the nice world you. champion. That's where it <laughs> that Tom, stop. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Actually, the reason I am playing these uh, tournaments in the first place is because, um, uh, as as people on IGN may or may not know, uh, much like Casey, I like have covered the competitive Pokemon uh, scene from afar. But sort of the the competitive itch kind of like it got me, it bit me, and now I I I wanted to like toss my hat in the ring. That's the expression, right? Mm-hmm. Toss my Pokeball in the ring <laughs> and and actually try and qualify for the World Championships uh, for this upcoming year in in twenty twenty. <laughs> um, so I started going to like all these tournaments and stuff, and then I won a couple of like the baby ones, which are called like league challenges, and you get points from each one. The little ones you get fifteen points, and like the next tier up are cups where you get fifty. Then there's like um, regionals, which are like hundreds of players, and there's more, and then so on and so forth. Um, and so you have to just accumulate 500 points within the year. 
Uh, so I have 167. You're almost there. It's not even the end of That's the year not yet. Almost there, but <laughs> it's off. It's, I'm off to I'm a nice, positive, a Joshua. decent start. But um, but I actually brought some Pokemon cards. If you guys want to indulge um, in some nostalgia. Oh, I'm going to oh, wow. take, oh, them, these yeah, yeah, take them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like old original cards. Um, so See, cur currently things. we play with modern them. cards. You can only play with the last like two or so cards. They have like a list. It's called standard format. But these uh, I got for fun. I, I got them online and someone had them for sale on, on Etsy. I think it was a tricky gym. And they, uh, they just put together the original tier one deck, which was called a Haymaker. Right, and these were back these from are. like the base set uh, through through fossil, I think, and uh, it was all it was called Haymaker because it was full of uh, Hitmonchan and Electabuzz, who are just two Pokemon who can attack for one energy, right? And there was so much energy removal with no restrictions on what cards you can play. Now things are restricted. Like really powerful cards are called supporters, can play one per turn. But back then they didn't have anything, so you could just spam a bunch of like really powerful energy removal and and really just powerful cards. Um, and that was the Haymaker format uh, where you just punch each other back and forth. Um, and then Scyther became very important because he is, um, he resists Hitmonchan. And so he was your counter when they put up their Hitmonchan, you put up their Scyther and then you try and like get in your Electabuzz there, which can do a paralyze and stuff. So it's, it's actually a really fun game. It's really to, uh, easy to pick up. If you guys ever played the game or maybe you had that, um, the Game Boy Color Pokemon TCG version, you could probably pick up this deck and play it right away. That's awesome. I yeah. really like the sleeves on them, like the weird little cases. Like they're, they're hey man. It, it makes it like it's actually easier to flip through them than it is like with. Yeah, it makes cards. it for a really smooth shuffle yeah. as well. I noticed that was one of the reasons that I kind of got hooked as an adult because uh, you know when you think I'm an adult, I'm not gonna play Pokemon cards seriously in any way. But <laughs> the, the second I started like handling some cards. It brought back this like this tactile nostalgia mm -hmm. of just the just the picking up cards and like even like the smell of them and putting them in sleeves like I did when I was a kid and just like the, the sensation of like shuffling them it, it really just brought back all this like sh these like strong memories and feelings and how of how fun it was which is is how I uh, got back into it. So it, for for like the uninitiated or for the those who were were initiated and then deinitiated and want to reinitiate into po like Pokemon how how did you how did you decide like like where do you go to start competing do you find local tournaments like yeah yeah well the first thing you should do to, uh, for a refresher is to download the pokemon trading card game online which is available on pretty much everything on like pc and ios and stuff um and that that has a tutorial of how to play with all the modern rules because it's not quite the same as it used to be um they like changed some things they balanced it out a lot more because before you could like play all these cards and attack on the first turn. And then if you, if your opponent doesn't have any Pokemon, they just automatically lose. It's called getting benched. Uh, so they got rid of most of all that, uh, like kind of more toxic degenerate stuff. Um, but yeah, so you should, you'd go on there and learn, learn how to play. And as you play, you unlock cards for free. It's kind of like Hearthstone. It doesn't have as much production quality uh, as Hearthstone, but clearly <laughs> they uh, were inspired by what Hearthstone did and have gone in and made a bunch of changes and added in like graphics. And when your, your Charizard attacks the opposing card, like a big fireball will like appear. And so it, it is, it is pretty cool. It's really fun. Um, and then if you purchase cards in real life, like You'll booster packs, you get a little code card in each pack where you can then open a fresh booster digitally. Oh, so essentially rules. you're getting two for one. It does stink to have to build like a physical collection that you would play in, in real life in tournaments because they only use the physical cards for those. Um, but online, uh, but then you then have to get, um, yes, build a second collection online to, to get everything. But actually, uh, here's a here's a tip. 
Um, you might open like the first several packs and maybe if you buy a starter deck, you also get a code for that. So there's your starter deck online as well. Um, but after that, you should start saving your booster pack codes and people use them as a currency. Like if there's like a really good card, people will pay like 10 packs for that, right? So don't oh. open them. You use them as like a currency on like little auction house on the trading market. Huh. So yeah, that's huh. a good way to get started. But yeah, I mean, really the best way to, to get better at anything is to practice. So using that, and then there's, you know, the, on Pokemon's website, there's a find events tab that you can go to and find local leagues where people play. And they can also see tournaments and stuff. And then there's premier events, which are the ones that award championship points to go to the world's uh, championships. And that's where you can see me, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, even if you're not playing, you'll still be there covering it. I will like be there we do it every it. year. Unless I'm like completely just burnt out because I lost. I got like 499 oh, no. points and I was like, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going. I would pressure you. Um, but I actually, this next year's world championships is in London. Oh, yeah. Well. So, it's so like you have to go. That's an extra incentive to yeah. go. Yeah, that rules. And, especially because like Sword and Shield is like Galar, yes. which is inspired by like Great Britain so and stuff. So it's like, uh, it's like it's all the stars have kind of aligned to make it like a really, um, you know, juicy treat. And also they lowered the, uh, amount of CP need, championship points needed from 550 to 500. And I was like, I will never have a better chance. I'm doing this now. <laughs> Do it. And, you know, speaking of Sword and Shield, so all of us here on the panel have played Pokemon to some extent mm -hmm. and enjoy it for entirely different reasons. I feel like we we know quite a bit about Sword and Shield so far. Um, so I want to know what you enjoy about playing Pokemon and what Sword and Shield is doing to facilitate that and what they could do better for you personally. For any of us? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a tough question. It, it was there. I can answer this for me personally. Um, I My first, like, Pokemon game that I got, I got really into was um, Eevee, mm -hmm. which is last year. And uh, my biggest issue with it was uh, forgetting to manually save and the fact that they're rectifying that by having some autosave in some capacity mm -hmm. uh, helps me a lot. Um, I see myself playing this one a ton, mm -hmm. uh, especially with the Switch Lite, just having this like comfortable little handheld that I can just like, you know, have on the, on the bus or train and just basically play everywhere. That's going to be a game changer for me. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I think the, the question, because we were talking about this a little bit before, is just so interesting because um, Pokemon is just, has it's just, very, it's a multifaceted franchise that a lot of people obsess over in different ways, mm -hmm. which I find so interesting because you have people who are really into like the the lore and the story and just want to play the like the campaign. Then they stop. But there's some people who keep going and want to do battling, like competitive battling is their thing. And some people they're all about collecting, right? But that that's just a segment of the fandom, but also a very passionate. Uh, you know, as we know from the uh, the the Galar, the national decks yes. controversy, people <laughs> upset that not all Pokemon, uh, not everyone was upset about that, but yet a sect of, of Pokemon fandom were livid, yeah, because uh, that's the game to them, right? Mm -hmm. And even some people don't even play the game. Some people, you know, play the cards. Some people just collect the cards. Some people just watch the cartoons and yeah, get toys. The cartoon. Right. Some people are obsessed with just the plushies, but they've never even picked up the game. So I find Pokemon so interesting. Uh, so in Sword and Shield is coming 
coming out. Obviously, I'm going to play the game and mm -hmm. I'm super excited about it. But for me, like being like super into like the cards, I just want to know how those Pokemon are going to be like translated into cards. Oh, interesting. And I'm a huge like kind of print media artwork guy and I'm super into comic books. Again, if you know me from IGN all, it's probably because I was talking about like a superhero movie or, or an actual paper comic book. And then <laughs> uh, so just seeing like it's like. You know, the card might suck when you pull it out of a booster pack, but the artwork is just like so gorgeous. And they're doing tons of different stuff. It's not just drawing it anymore. Sometimes they'll like mold one out of clay and take a picture of it. And that's the Pokemon <laughs> card. I love it. It's uh, really so interesting. They just do yeah. so many. And then also in the one area where I think Pokemon's really beating like other card games like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that is that they've really broken the card art format and have just had the most like wondrous designs uh, for just a normal Pokemon card. Uh, so I think that's, that's really cool. I also, so what do you feel about Surfetched? Oh my god! He's want? so handsome. And I also <laughs> want to point out, he does not have a sword. He has a lance. He is a, a lancer from Monster Hunter. It's true. <laughs> No, like seriously, go look go look up a Monster Hunter Lancer and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. It looks like it looks like a weapon for Monster Hunter and he we even more, has the same attack. We were more concerned if it was a green onion or a leak. Mm -hmm. uh, that was it's the discussion. A leak. Well, it was a leak. Did it evolve into, into a, a green spring onion? onion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be a question for another day. We have to taste it to find out. No, I was really impressed with this design. Like I I think Farfetch has always been like a cool Pokémon but not like impressive mm -hmm. but for him to get for it to get such a imposing yet uh yeah but kind of like arrogant yet yeah. yet charming uh evolution like a knight, knightly prince yes and then also this just again those eyebrows those it, it gives hope for someone like me with like big thick eyebrows <laughs> i'm like yes he's working those eyebrows i'm all about that he looks good. I won't sure. be able to unsee that now. Like, <laughs> the connection you two Are have. You, he just has one big unibrow, but it looks better than my two separate eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I think our eyebrows look great. Thank I you. agree. So I want to move on to question block. There are a bunch of games out this week. We've already talked about two of them. Really quick, Nino Kuni is out. Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 is out. There's honestly a huge number of games, including Ori and the Blind Forest, Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest 2, Dragon Quest 3, FIFA. There's a ton of stuff. We'll get we'll talk about some of these things next week. Um, but I do want to do some question block before we run out of time. So first off, a Pokemon question block question. Yes. Yep. Just for you, Joshua. <laughs> so um, what's a Pokemon spinoff that you'd like to see on the Switch? This is from Ben Gregson. He says, I'd like to see some sort of Pokemon sports game similar to how Mario sports games add a fun twist to familiar rules. Um, I want the triumphant return of Pokemon Puzzle League. I want Conquest. Pokemon Pinball. That's all, wow, that was quick. I actually just want a Super Smash Brothers game. <gasps> but with that, all Pokemon. It's all Pokemon. <laughs> oh. I actually, this might be a controversial opinion, but I actually think the best Pokemon game is Super Smash Brothers because in no other game do you get such like intimate control over what your Pokemon does. And they also feel like they should, like heavy Charizard flapping with his mm -hmm. big ring, rings and then like Pikachu doing its recovery with a zip zap everywhere and shooting like big lightning bolts. Like it just feels so good. And the Pokemon trainer is like, that's like the essential. I would love to be able to like build any three Pokemon I yeah. want into that and mm. switch them out in the middle of battle. And I know there's Pokemon tournament, but it's not the same. 
<laughs> I want I want this game now. Yeah. yeah. Like desperately. Sounds fun. But I love Ben Ben Gregson, a sports game with Pokemon would also be really awesome of just like having different Pokemon powers come in mm-hmm. into play and like while playing a game of tennis or something. Well, like they, I would be so they, into they that. Sometimes show Would you be hitting a Pokeball back yeah, and forth with brackets? That's, that's like abuse, that's, right? That's, oh. Okay. And, uh, horrible idea, Ben Gregson. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with you? Well they they sometimes show sports with Pokemon in them in the Pokemon anime. Like for example, um, I was watching Pokemon Sun and Moon recently and they, they showed baseball. And if you guys are familiar with the second season, man, I'm getting into the weeds here. Uh, Electabuzz was a baseball player. so And they showed Electabuzz playing and with people too. So oh. there are people in Pokemon on the teams playing, working together to play sports games. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a good time. But mm-hmm. it's not, not canon to have sports games with Pokemon in them is all <laughs> I'm saying. So sports games, these are like video games, but with... In like real life, like like Mario Soccer and interesting. Wait, 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 what? Like the anime? I was trying to make a bad joke. Oh no, I'm like sorry. a nerd joke of like, what are these sports that you oh, speak no. of? Oh <laughs> no, sorry. Please move on. So, um, on to more question block from Ron Joseph. He says, "Now that Link's Awakening is out, how would you rank the three 2D Zeldas on Switch? A Link to the Past, um, Link's Awakening, and Cadence of Hyrule? Yes, I'm counting it. Uh, is what he says. Trick question. There's actually five 2D Zeldas on Switch. Oh, you're right, because there's more there's, now. This is from also. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess there's also Zelda 1 and Zelda 2. And Zelda 2 is halfway 2D in the mm-hmm. top-down areas. And those are both through the NES online app. Um, but Link's Awakening is still better than all of them. Yeah. Is it fair <laughs> to compare Link's Awakening remake to the other classic games and Cadence to the other classic games? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the the Link's Awakening versus Link to the Past debate has been going on for decades. Um, most people prefer Link to the Past, and they're not wrong because that is an excellent game. I think it's a little long in the tooth, and I think it has a slightly less interesting overworld. Um, I think that game gets a little bloated, and this is like me talking about one of the greatest games of all time. Link to the Past <laughs> is amazing. It's one of the greatest games of all time, but I do think that Link's Awakening is a tighter, uh, better game with better pacing. Personally. So also about Link's Awakening, this one is from Ronnie Anthony on our Facebook group. You can find it by searching MVC podcast forums on Facebook. He asked, Link's Awakening got me thinking, what is the best video game remake of all time? Oh, man. Um, Zero Mission is definitely up there. Yeah. Which was a remake of the original Metroid, um, which was sort of a fun but cumbersome game. It added a lot of great quality of life stuff. It's a tough one. Probably RE2. Resident Evil 2. Oh, yeah. God, that was an excellent remake. This year's Resident Evil 2 remake, I think, set the bar, reset the bar for remakes and kind of what they could be while still keeping the original spirit of a game alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that is probably the comparison most people will make, not to throw shade at Link's Awakening or anything because it's a very good remake. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the best of all time, and this answer won't surprise anybody, but Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Eevee. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Only because... Um, having the Pokemon out in the wild just made that world come alive like I'd always dreamed. Yep. And it was just like, it was so gorgeous and so fun. And I was like immediately re-addicted to this game. I've already played like a hundred times. Uh, so and I it, thought, it made it worth replaying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do wish there was uh, an iota of difficulty, um, yeah. which is my, my main <laughs> problem with the the modern all of the modern Pokemon games. Um, but aside from that, no, it was uh, gorgeous. I can Wonderful. definitely agree with that. So I haven't, played it yet but i have really okay i played it at e3 i have not played the full game obviously because it's not out yet but i think um final fantasy 7 remake looks like it will be pretty amazing yeah that is a that is a absolutely 
bonkers way to retell that story is just yes. to go that go that far. It's yeah. they they said that the way they are remaking it is by taking it as if it's a brand new Final Fantasy game mm -hmm. and then just making it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but with the same characters and stories and such. So I have very high hopes for that game. Or multiple um, games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> but that is about all the time we have left. We actually have to get out of the studio so that Unlocked can come in and talk mm -hmm. about Xbox. Gross. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. I don't Shots mean to be fired. Hey, I'm, I'm taking my lessons from Sakurai, who specifically told me to go play Xbox. You're right. So, so go play Banjo-Kazooie on Xbox, guys. That's the last thing I have to say about this week. <laughs> um, thank Until you so Rare much. Until Replay comes to Switch. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. That might happen. Fingers crossed. So, hey, thank you so much for watching Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. You can watch or listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform or YouTube or IGN.com every Thursday at 3 p.m. And remember, this is the only place you can get the thing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.